John Brunn is a devoted, intentional husband and father of three. Lead by example as far as we can do anything that we can put our minds to. I think I used this as an example once in one of my posts, but instead of pushing them to do things, uh, lead them to do things. He shares his love of the outdoors, nature and crafting with his children, teaching them practical life skills through daily activities. We kind of gave up the nine to fives uh, two years ago in order to, to stay home and try to make ends meet and raise our kids. And instead of working five days a week, nine to five, we work seven days a week from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. John strongly believes in leading by example to inspire healthy lifestyle choices, not only for his children, but also for other men and fathers. What's been the biggest uh, difference in you uh, over this transition in terms of your emotional state, in terms of your stressors, in terms of your um, your physical and your mental well-being yeah. from, where it wa- from where it was before to, to where you are now? Uh, it's improved immensely. One of the mottos he lives by is don't just talk about it, be about it. Taking action on your intentions is the most impactful practice in your life. Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. John, an absolute privilege to have you here on the Modern Warrior Podcast. To finally have you here, it's, it's been some time coming between our ever-evolving and chaotic schedules and routines. So I appreciate you finally making the time and, and taking the energy to speak to me today. And absolutely love the work you're doing. I'm inspired by the life you lead. And the first question, as I was looking through your profile and getting to know you a bit better, first question that came to my mind was, I wonder what has inspired or what has influenced this man in the past to live the life that he lives today in the present. So can you give us a bit of an insight there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, honored to be invited here to your podcast. Um, Again, like you said, it's been a long time coming and I'm glad that we were able to make the time to carve this out and be together here. Um, So as far as what influenced me or inspired me to live the lifestyle that I'm living now. Um, a huge part of it is just trying to provide the best life or what we, or what we believe is the best life for our children. And the way we arrived where we are today has been influenced by a multitude of life events over the past decade. You know, my, my wife and I, we've been together for close to a decade now and we've lived kind of away from family and isolated um, up in Bush, Alaska. And uh, just kind of observational things and, oh man, it's hard. There's a multitude of things, but uh, just kind of taking in everything around you in the world that's happening. um, And then our own personal experiences from when we were children and how the world has changed today. and I don't want to say world, but country in particular, because I think other countries might be developing at different rates here as far as uh, culturally and what's society, societal norms, I guess. Um, but the shift that we've seen here in the United States um, has inspired us to kind of lead the life that we currently lead, I guess. <clears throat> Is that Has that been inspired from a place of fear do you feel the fear of what may come if you were to continue living within the societal norms as such i don't want to say it's fear uh it's kind of more or less uh hmm, i don't know what it is it's more like feeling inspired or empowered to do something that is different than what is considered normal right now Mm -hmm. so that Definitely not fear. 
what was there uh an epiphany there was there like a a moment or maybe accumulation of moments that 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 almost um carved out this decision that you made together to to yeah. to go off grid so there's kind of uh, a few different things when our firstborn was about six or eight months old, we actually took a trip to New Zealand over our Christmas break. Uh, we were teachers at the time, and we decided on a whim that we wanted to go to New Zealand, and we spent two weeks there. And just the way that uh, people were living in New Zealand, the places specifically that we visited, we felt pretty inspired as far as there was a lot of people that were pretty self-sufficient um, as far as they weren't as hyper-dependent on uh, amenities from the government, for example. Uh, they had their own little micro homesteads. We stayed at some. We stayed at farms and ranches. And it was an awesome experience and pretty eye-opening as far as, um, you know, we were not exposed to that as often here in the States. And uh, just making better decisions uh, for our health as well. Um, a lot of the people that we ran into and had conversations with were extremely health conscious as far as what they were exposing themselves to in their homes and uh, products that they were using on their bodies and on their children. They're just very deliberate. And that kind of inspired us to make a shift. And it's something that's slowly happened over time. And uh, we were kind of ostracized in our community um, that were not very open-minded because we were in a small village just for the type of life that we were leading as far as, you know, what we were consuming, the products we use, things we did or did not do that just didn't align with the norms in the community there. And then I think when the, the pandemic hit, things were kind of taken to another level as far as a lot of our decisions didn't align with everyone else. And we were ostracized and kind of pushed to the side even more and felt like we, we weren't part of the community anymore. And, uh, you know, being away from family that kind of pushed us to, uh, up and leave the life that we had built there and come back closer to family where we could be with, you know, family, of course, and then like other like-minded folks kind of find a, a community to call our own rather than trying to fit in, I guess, in an area that we, we didn't fit in at all. I love it, man. I'm with you. I'm on that boat. What do you, my man? So. Can you give us a bit of an idea, though, in terms of the contrast between the type of life you live right now and the type of life that maybe you lived before or the type of life that society lives, perhaps, in terms of what do you feel are the biggest differentiators there between yourselves and society as such? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of a tough question because I don't want to, you know, put ourselves on a pedestal at all to kind of raise ourselves up and kind of put other people down as what, as far as what we're doing and what other people are not. But, you know, I had a great insight from one of my friends that he's like, I really would love to have a conversation about all these new things that you're doing. Um, and to us, they seem kind of new, but the way we're kind of leading life is kind of simpler, like something that our grandparents or grandparents would do, or great grandparents. Um, so it's nothing new, but as far as you know, what we are consuming and what we're feeding our children, as far as like food-wise, very simple. Um, you know, we try to stay away from processed foods as much as possible. We don't drink pop. We don't drink alcohol. We don't do drugs. Um, not even recreational, like marijuana. There's just a lot of things like that, that, you know, even if we have family gatherings and such, um, where we won't eat certain things and we're kind of like, Hey, why, why won't you eat this? And it's like, well, you know, it could have seed oils in it or something like that. And they're like seed oils. What do you mean? Um, so it's just small thing, some small things like that, or get questioned why we're not drinking alcohol. Um, we're very deliberate with how we parent our children. We're, you know, they're very young and moldable right now. So anything that they're exposed to, whether it be screen time, so that we're very deliberate with that as far as not giving them too much and 
you know, they might get an hour a week max of screen time. And it's usually something that's very educational. Um, usually something with David Attenborough narrating it, honestly. And then, uh, yes, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, even as far as trying to do some, some homesteading. So, you know, we're trying to be self-sufficient in the means of food as well. We're a long ways away from being self-sufficient as far as that goes. But the fact that, you know, we're the only ones in our area that have goats and like everyone think it's the spectacle that we have goats at our place right now. And people will go out of their way to drive by and try to see the goats and ask if they can pet the goats. And, um, most places we just kind of stick out like a sore thumb, whether it's the way we carry ourselves, the things we don't or do consume. Um, and then sometimes even down to how we dress, like, so mm-hmm. there's just a lot of small things that kind of compile that stick out to people. So as an extension to that question, yeah, what are some of the things that people could do? in society that would be quite relatable to what you do off the grid without having to go off the grid, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, keeping things as simple as possible as far as even dietary. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are used to in this culture and I think it kind of started when, I mean, my wife and I were talking that when we were small children, it's when a lot of these processed foods started to really explode. And we remember having a lot of these when we were growing up and they were kind of new and everyone was jumping on that wagon. But now it's become normalized that, you know, a kid wakes up in the morning and they have a bowl of sugary cereal or a Pop-Tart or something like that. And that's become the norm um, because it's quick and easy and a lot of people have chosen that convenience over being intentional with um, their health, essentially. So, like, we try to make sure that in the mornings we get the kids uh, a hot meal, at least, you know, every morning a hot meal, whether that's some eggs or some homemade pancakes, something like that, fresh fruits. So, dietary wise, keep it simple, not very much processed stuff. And then, even with how you choose to go about your day and as far as consuming uh, social media. So that I feel like there's a lot of people that are actually, you can look at it as being consumers or producers on social media. There's probably 99.9% of people on social media are consumers. They're scrolling, they're consuming material. And then there's the other point, 1% that are producing material. Um, And the things that are on social media nowadays, there's a lot of stuff that we're exposed to. Uh, There's some good on there, of course, but there's a lot of stuff that's not good, like pornography. And you can see clips of people passing away and just a lot of things that we're not exposed to on a normal basis and you shouldn't be exposed to. Um, and we're just living in society of perpetually being overloaded by all these stimulus, I guess. So being intentional with your days and how you spend your time, um, but social media can be a a black hole, but there's some bright spots in it for sure. Mm -hmm. And then what does your routine look like on a, on a day-to-day basis? Do you have a set routine where you're up? out of bed at a certain time and you're in bed at a certain time and then how do you navigate your priorities as you as you go through the day or is it quite flexible you know it it can be flexible we try to have a pretty set routine but you know we have to make way for when something intervenes but we live kind of cyclically with the seasons so you know we're heading into fall here and daylight hours are getting shorter so bed or sorry <clears throat> when we wake in the morning has been a little bit later um but when we get up we make sure that everyone gets a hot meal we do some chores around our house and then we go outside and usually first thing one of our priorities is that we get you know at least an hour of daylight uh first thing in the morning like that's one of our 
main things, no questions asked. If it's cloudy, rainy, snowy, for within the first few hours of the day, we need to spend time outside. So that's something that can make a huge impact on your health as well. Um, but we do that. We take care of all of our animals. Uh, the kids have some play time. Uh, one of my main sources of income right now is I'm a, a silversmith. So my shop is uh, down on our lower property and I usually get a little bit of work done while the kids play in the morning. And we do some structured activities in the morning as well. So we're homeschooling our kids. Um, technically they're not at an age yet that they need to be registered for homeschool, but we are still, you know, our daily life is an extension of um, their homeschooling with of course some set aside activities that are specific to goals. So we'll have something in the morning, usually we'll have lunch and quiet time, reading time, and we'll do some specifics like um, writing, numbers, that kind of stuff. Um, right now, we're just kind of starting to ramp up uh, from like a, a summer schedule. It's a little bit looser where um, now, like since this school year is starting again here in the States, that we're going to kind of pick things up with our oldest to get him more of a structured routine with um, specific homeschool activities rather than just an extension of our days. Um, but everything we do, we try to include our children and uh, I guess essentially give them skills in all sorts of areas. And it's nothing that we're forcing upon them, but instead inviting them into a, what we're doing on a daily activity or a daily basis. So whether that be, um, you know, sometimes I'll, carve wooden spoons and spatulas and stuff like that. And then if the kids have an interest in that, then yeah, we can do that. Um, if I'm building a greenhouse, then if they want to learn how to do some of the math and measure out angles and stuff like that, yeah, we'll throw in. They're not going to miss out on that opportunity. Um, it's something that's going to, you know, hopefully build over time and build some interest in something that they'll want to do as well. And, you know, hands-on learning is a big part of our day. And then, <clears throat> so our afternoons, uh, sorry, I went over, we went some more structured activities after lunch and then more playtime. They probably have uh, three to four hours of kind of unstructured playtime a day. Um, some, sometimes we're playing with them as well, just kind of doing some different things or uh, this fall, like we're out picking berries. So we'll go pick berries and we'll talk about plants and stuff like that too. So there's just so many things that we do on a daily basis. It's kind of hard to. Yeah. It's very, very practical. Yeah. And then we'll have dinner and do like a bedtime routine. And the wife and I will have kind of a few hours after that to uh, work on usually work related things, whether that's, uh, you know, whether I'm working on silversmithing or <clears throat> we're answering emails, um, kind of doing some social media type stuff, but things, uh, right now in this season of life, having introduced, uh, another kid to the family about six months ago, it kind of feels like the wheels have flown off the train as far as our days are crazy. Like, <laughs> so sometimes our days start at, five, five thirty in the morning and we don't get to bed till ten thirty at night and we're perpetually going all day. Mm -hmm. Um so we're cramming in a lot every day. Um, you know, we kind of gave up the nine to fives uh two years ago in order to to stay home and try to make ends meet and raise our kids. And instead of working five days a week week, nine to five, we work seven days a week from five AM to ten PM. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you really you really sound at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is what's been the biggest uh difference in you uh, over this transition in terms of I mean internally in terms of your emotional state in terms of your stressors in terms of your um your physical and your mental well-being yeah. from where it, from where it was before to to where you are now. Uh it's improved immensely as far as my mental and physical health um you know, I, prior to us staying home and working from home and raising our kids, um, 
for two years prior to that, I was the only one working as a teacher and my wife had taken uh, two years off to be with the kids. And it was really hard, you know, not only working as much as I did, but where we were in Alaska and we we're pretty isolated. Um, I didn't have like a community and we also um, kind of felt lonely and a lot like as a family, like we were our own little co cohort up there. And I felt like I had to always try to do something for the family. And so I was literally similar to what I'm doing right, right now, except, you know, working, getting up early and working all day and then coming home and trying to entertain the family and just kind of running myself into the ground. And I was working a job that I originally had no intentions of working. Like I didn't go to school to be a teacher. Uh, my background's actually in science and I got offered a teaching position as long as I got my master's uh, in education and my teaching certificate. So I was kind of working a job that just had, you know, great pay, great benefits, but only because of that, not because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed aspects of it, you know, teaching science because that was my background, but I was just kind of miserable in my job. And uh, I think I described it at one point as being soul sucking. Like I just didn't, it was not fulfilling in any way at all. And I knew that I had to make a change and it just meant getting uncomfortable to do so. Um, as far as, you know, we had great pay, great benefits. Um, I built the place that we were living in. So we didn't have any um, debt or anything like that. <clears throat> and it took me quitting my job and us up and leaving that community in order for us to kind of restart new. Um, and there was a lot of stress, of course, to begin. But it was also like probably the most freeing thing I've done in my life so far. Um, it was the most difficult decision at the moment, but the best and the most freeing thing that I've done was just kind of stepping away from that conventional nine to five to focus on family and to try to make ends meet in other ways. And it's taken some creativity in order to make that happen. But, uh, you know, we're here two later, two years later, still making it happen and don't know if it will be a, a forever thing, but we're working on it as hard as we can to keep it that way. And, um, yeah, it's been great mentally and physically just to be able to release a soul sucking job. Yes. To something more wholesome. Yeah. And having more control and power over your life. Yes, exactly. Mm. What was the hardest thing to let go there? You know, I think like I, I hand built our entire place there and it's kind of hard to leave something that you've poured so much into um, and then created so many memories as well. Um, so of course we did leave behind a couple of really good friends in that community. Um, but there's just a lot of memories tied up to living there. We were there for seven years. So we went straight out of straight out of college up there for seven years and then came back. So there was just a lot of um, emotional ties to the place, but you know, where we landed is probably equivalent or even better on many levels to where we were. And we get to be closer to family members and we've, we found community and we're building more community all the time where we are. So it's, how did you manage, how, how did you manage that? How do you manage to build this new community? Cause I know that in the day and age that we live in today, it's, it's a big struggle for many men. I work primarily with men. I know a lot of men out there are, are lonely and struggling and are feeling somewhat isolated from people, from communities. So how did you manage to begin to cultivate that in your, in your own life? Having, having made, yeah. having made that move. You know, a lot of the connections that we've made where we are, where we're at currently has been through social media specifically. So that's kind of one of those bright spots in social media that I was talking about is that you can find like-minded people that can be, you know, in addition to your community or part of your community. And most of the time that we've, found other people that align with us, it's been other like-minded families. So 
uh, numerous kids and of course, a like-minded set of parents like us. And it's kind of far flung right now. Uh, Montana is a big state. Uh, that's where we're at. And uh, it's pretty typical for you to get in a vehicle on any given day and have to drive an hour and a half, two hours somewhere. Um, so we have very close friends that are hours away, but we try to get to, to get together with those people as often as we can. Um, and it's, yeah, I'd say it's, it's growing as far as we're finding other people and other families that we align with kind of on a regular basis that either reach out to us or we find them. And, uh, we're, we have something called a tinker garden, which is kind of like a, an outdoor kindergarten preschool type thing. That's, um, kind of has some structure to it, but we've met other families and children through that. And then there's another program that is specific to a community about an hour away from us where there's an outdoor school, um, a few sessions a year that is like pretty intense. I think it's three or four hours um, every week for six weeks that our oldest goes to and um, just kind of making some connections with uh, that group and other parents and such like that. And just kind of building some connections and community slowly over time, you know, it's been two years and we're still, still plugging at it. And it's been great for our mental health to have other people that think the way that we do. Have the, have the children or I suppose, especially the oldest one, has he thrived in this environment or has it been a bit of a struggle for him or is he also feeling that sort of isolation or loneliness or are there challenges there for him? Uh, no, he's definitely thriving where we are now compared to where we were. Um, you know, we've, it's been two years when we left, he was about four and he did go to preschool since I was teaching at there at the school there. Um, but the kids that he was connecting with and being influenced with were not the best role models as far as he picked up on a lot of tendencies that we didn't like and that were not healthy tendencies. Um, so now uh, he's definitely able to kind of regulate his emotions and behavior a lot better. He's also matured since then, but he's also a busy boy. Like boys, they need to go out and break sticks over stumps and play with animals and shoot their BB guns and their bows and just kind of be destructive and explorative and creative all at the same time. And uh, just kind of having that freedom to do that here, he's definitely exploded. And <clears throat> as far as things that he should be learning in school around this age, those are things now that he's already inherently wanting to do and is making those connections on his own without having the structure of that like delivered from an education system. Mm. So it's been pretty amazing for him to, or for us to see that as parents, that he's just taken a genuine interest naturally and in wanting to write and uh, read and identify all these things. And he's very uh, nature savvy as far as, he even corrects me a lot of times, like we'll hear a bird calling in the woods and I'm like, oh, that was, uh, I don't even know, a chickadee. And he's like, no, that wasn't a chickadee. That was a nuthatch. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, you, you just corrected me. And here I am. I have a degree in environmental science and my six-year-old just outwitted me. Yeah. They're so intuitive. Yeah. So it's been pretty amazing to see that. And then his little sister following right along behind him. And I feel like the siblings, siblings only grow at faster rates um, as far as the younger ones do, because they're trying to always catch up and be like the older ones. So mm. it's really amazing. He's, he's inspiring her as well. Yeah. Yep. They want to do everything that each other are, you know, they're inspired by each other, like you said, and, if he does it, she wants to do it. Even if it's shooting a bow at two and a half, she wants to do it. <laughs> so. Rapid or. And what, and as, as a father, what are some of the lessons or what are some of the, the, the guiding principles that 
you want to pass over to your children that maybe you missed out on in your own childhood? Uh, you know, I think I had a pretty good childhood early on as far as I had a very involved father as well. And that's kind of something that, um, you know, guides me in what I am today as far as being involved and being hands-on with my kids and trying to get them as many real world experiences as possible. Um, but the one thing that we despise and we try not to ever say it is the two words, I can't. Like when our children say, I can't do something, like I can't get this rock on top of this other rock, or I can't shoot this arrow into the bullseye. And you're like, well, I can't is not in our vocabulary. We can try it again and we'll try harder and we can practice and, but we can do anything that we put our minds to. And that's, you know, kind of a, a big guiding principle that we like to do is or with our children is kind of lead by example, as far as we can do anything that we can put our minds to and that they're, they're stronger and they have more willpower than they ever think that they do. So we try to, I don't want to say push them. Um, I think I used this as an example once in one of my posts, but instead of pushing them to do things, uh, lead them to do things. So try to lead by example in most everything that we do in our daily lives. <clears throat> and was your wife always on board with this idea as well? Or did she take some convincing? Was she quite apprehensive about this dynamic change or was she fully on board from day one? So I'd say early on when we started to make changes in our life, I was kind of the one that needed convincing. I was kind of more in the conventional mindset and she was kind of a little more open-minded to things. But I quickly realized um, after like doing some own research and seeing different impacts on our children and our own lives and our own health that I needed to be open-minded to different things. <clears throat> um, so we are very much on the same wavelength with almost everything, well, pretty much everything that we do in our daily lives and our goals. Um, and that's probably one of the best things as far as, you know, parenting and um, just leading a very intentional lifestyle is having a spouse that is 100% on board with you. Like I wouldn't be able to do what I do as uh, a parent and a spouse if I didn't have the support of my wife that was also like-minded. Um, so I think that's often overlooked in society right now as I have lots of people that are reaching out to me, uh, men asking me how they can lead the lifestyle that I'm leading. And I don't have a good answer for them because it's something that's built slowly over time. And I've also had a spouse with me that's been able to build that life and intention with me. Um, so it's hard to give a set of directions like that to a single male with no children like, okay, these are the steps you need to take in order to build a life like this, because it's not like it just, uh, you know, it's not a simple manual. It's something that cultivates over time, but. Mm -hmm. I'm still cultivating as, as you mentioned that you're not fully self sustainable just yet or self-sufficient, I should say just yet. You're, you're still working towards that. Yep. Still working towards that. And I think a good analogy as far as people that are trying to be more intentional, um, whether it be with their parenting, with their health, with self-sufficiency, anything like that, is that it's like a marathon. And as far as, you know, if you went up to someone that runs marathons regularly and like, how do you run marathons? Well, they would say that they didn't just go out one day and decide to run a marathon. You know, they built up slowly over time. And they learn lessons along the way as far as what their limits were and what their boundaries were. <clears throat> and it's the same thing with anything that you're trying to change in your life is you're not going to be able to change it just in a split second. It's something that's going to take hard work and dedication uh, over a long period of time. So like if we were going to be self-sufficient, it's something that's going to take 
many years to do. It's not like we're just going to walk out our door and we're going to have pastures full of animals and a big garden and everything we need to be self-sufficient in one day. It's something that takes a lot of time. So, mm-hmm. oh, And what do you feel is is the purpose and the, and the driver for you behind all this in terms of leading this life and, and con- continually to continue to grow it and to, to evolve from it? What drives you? It's a great question. You know, I think part of it is not being super reliant on the government, which sounds bad in some way. Um, But I think there's a lot of people nowadays that are very disconnected from where their water comes from, where their food comes from, where their clothing comes from, all of that. As far as, you know, you can ask a child where their pancake came from and they have no idea other than it came from a box and they mixed it up. So there's a huge disconnect between what we have around us on a daily basis and what we're exposed to and how that came to being as far as, you know, like I said, food, um, even water. I think I saw something the other day that it was a guy that had just a, a portable little tank set up above his sink. And he said that it required no electricity for him to run water in his sink. And it was something that had gone viral because of the comments section. And the comments were exploding saying that, what are you talking about? Like my water at home doesn't require electricity either. And my first thought was like, there are, lots of people that are disconnected from reality right now. The fact that majority of the people are living in a city that are completely dependent on all these amenities that they are disconnected from as far as they don't know where it's coming from and how it works. So I think being knowledgeable about how the real world works as far as how you get your water and how you get your food and what that actually looks like is very important to us as far as um, you know, being successful in, I know, just leading a intentional life in the future. I don't know. It's, it'd probably be a smart thing for me to write down very intentional goals that we have as far as raising our children and what we're doing currently. But I think there's been a lot of things like the pandemic that, you know, there are shortages of things and it still continues today that not everything's readily accessible like it once was. And it's kind of naive to think that we're always going to have access to everything that we need all the time and to be completely reliant on other people to provide those things to us. Um, so if I can teach our children to be able to grow their own food and hunt their own food uh, and to source clean water and stuff like that, I think that's a a huge skill for them to have in the future if they ever need it, whether it's, you know, things going astray um, as a country or even leading a life that's kind of different from everyone else and uh, just kind of being more self-sufficient, I guess. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that this is a, a gro- growing trend or do you see yourself as some sort of outlier at the moment? and? It's it's few and far between in terms of people living off grid or going off grid. I think it's definitely a growing trend, um, but again, it's not something that's new because it's simply resorting back to simpler ways um, before a lot of the mon- modern conveniences and technologies and such. Um, but it does seem very trendy right now, as far as. People want to have a homestead. They want to be off-grid. They want to be self-sufficient. And I think there are some that are doing it because it is a trend. Um, But I think there's a lot of people also that see that there is despair in the world and that there is um, trouble brewing in some areas and that they they kind of want to be more self-reliant, self-sufficient. but yeah, definitely we're not blazing a path on anything. Um, we're I'm constantly inspired by other things that I'm seeing 
from other people. Um, so just drawing inspiration from other sources, but yeah, I don't, it's definitely a trend, but it's nothing new. It's just resorting back to old ways. <clears throat> Do you feel it's somewhat romanticized this life and people don't actually realize the amount of effort and work and dedication it involves? Yeah, I think that some people do romanticize it and show only the positive aspects of it on social media. Uh, and, you know, I think the point of a homestead is for it to, you know, take care of your independent family. And sometimes you might have excess that you can sell, but there are some people that try to pass it off like it's going to be a, a lucrative endeavor like they're going to make money off of what they're doing and it's definitely not the case like it takes a lot of money um and time in order to be self-sufficient it's not something that uh <clears throat> can just happen overnight and that you can just put on autopilot and it's going to take care of itself um so i i've seen some people bashing um some homesteading accounts and stuff like that for romanticizing and essentially for being secretly being like these multimillionaires um, that are essentially leading a life that is impossible for a lot of people to lead. Um, myself included. I, I had someone bash me uh, a few weeks back and I really wanted to approach him on it. And instead I just uh, blocked the guy, but he essentially was saying that I, I was teaching my kids skills that were, you know, that I didn't build our life on currently, which is true. Like I didn't build our life exclusively on the skills I'm teaching my kids. Like I'm, I'm teaching them these skills because I think they're important skills to have for the future. And because uh, it's important to be connected to nature and such. And he also said that, uh, you know, we were living on a, a multi-million dollar homestead. And I was like, well, it's kind of flattering that he can look at a few video clips and thinks that we live on a multi-million dollar homestead when it, it is far, far from that. And uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. You know, it's kind of one of the, those negative pieces of social media that um, somebody's going to find an angle and try to attack you on it, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. For sure. And if you are receiving criticism or haters for the type of life you're leading, then you're probably going the right direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's being encouraged by that. Yep. Yeah. So if you were to perhaps write out maybe rules is the wrong word, but a set of guidelines that your house would follow on a on a consistent basis what what would that look like uh, i mean maybe in terms of how you um raise your family or how you operate throughout the day or some of the non-negotiables that you would you would you would write off that board that that this is that these are the set of rules or a set of guiding principles that we adhere to in this house uh, right. what would that what would that look like if you give us uh, like five to ten of them yeah for sure uh, eating nourishing food is obviously one of the big ones, fueling our bodies properly. That's going to kind of propel us through the day and to put us in the right moods. So nourishing their bodies, getting sunlight, getting intentional movements and play, um, respecting each other as a family, uh, and, probably even group like respecting nature into that just because we, we live in nature and we're spending a lot of time out there. So I'd be five general. Yeah. I mean, those are like, and, and what, what about, I know you mentioned uh, respecting, but in terms of behavioral guidelines or rules that you'd maybe have for your, for your children more so. Um, Essentially, you know, when we talk about respect in that manner, it's, you know, it has to do with both verbal and physical uh, means. So speaking kindly and not, you know, they'll rustle around, but they'll also, you know, 
get into tissues with each other and start hitting each other, which is obviously not kind or respectful. So not resorting to like physical abuse with each other. Um, and yeah, just being, you know, we're trying to model kindness all the time as far as whether that be doing something for one another or <clears throat> doing things without being asked uh, to do them. Uh, yeah, that's a, another great one that, you know, what is respect for a family? You know, what does that look like? And uh, when you're not in the heat of the moment thinking about what it is, and kind of putting down on a piece of paper what that actually looks like. It's hard to kind of put it into words, but we're just trying to raise them in a manner that, you know, they're going to be productive and respectful adults in the future. Um, But it's hard to kind of explain what that looks like currently Mm -hmm. Um, other than modeling it, of course. And then, um, trying to have conversations with them about undesirable, um, behaviors. Yeah. You, you lead the way. Yep. So in terms of leading the way, what do you do for yourself to make sure that you can be optimized and be the, the man to lead this family forward? I mean, I'm a big believer that, men need to be selfish servants so in order, they need to serve themselves in order to have the capacity and the love and the commitment and the energy to then serve others is that yeah. how you would see your life yep. as well or is that the same approach yeah definitely in fact i think it's probably about a year prior to me uh quitting my teaching job that i purposely had to put a sticky note on my computer that said you can't pour from an empty cup because I, there was so many years of my life that I was just pouring into my job and pouring into my family, but not filling up myself in order to continue to do that in a sustainable manner. Um, so I've been definitely a lot more, uh, sounds bad, but selfish trying to fill myself up uh, since we've moved. And like right now, this time of year, uh, tomorrow's actually opening day for archery season where I'm at. So I'm going to be chasing elk in the mountains. That's something to me that is very filling. Um, Connecting with nature and trying to provide for my family is something that is going to fill me up. But on a regular basis, um, on a good day that everything works according to the schedule, which is, is, you know, a few days a week, get up before everyone else. I get a workout in uh, that's specifically geared to kind of, uh, functional fitness and kind of mountaineering, backcountry hunting. Um, <clears throat> have some time to write out my goals for the day, goals for the week, goals for the month, uh, self-reflection, stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of a few things I try to do in the morning just before the chaos kind of explodes and all the children are awake. And then, uh, Cold plunges are something that's very trendy. Uh, as something that I started trying to do this last winter. And I saw a lot of calming effects from it as far as I think it decreased my reactivity as far as if there is a, a stressful situation, whether it be induced by children or induced by something that's occurring in my life, uh, you know, financially or something like that. It doesn't impact me like it used to um, as far as I handle that stressor a lot better than I used to, not as reactive. Um, But that's kind of a bulk of what I'm doing for my own uh, mental and physical health is, you know, working out cold plunges, time for self-reflection and reading. And then, of course, this time of year, getting out and hunting. So um, it sounds bad, but before getting married and having kids, I was the type of person who's kind of an introvert and independent, and I've always refueled more on having alone time. So when I get that time to myself that I'm able to be with my own thoughts and to work through something, um, that helps me a lot. Yeah. 
I'm with you there, man. That doesn't sound bad at all. So I think uh, men need to make time to be alone every single day to just allow their emotions and feelings to come to the surface and, and let them go instead of them following it following them through into the day and having an effect on their on their behaviors and their moods throughout the day being more reactive as you said so yeah that's brilliant so the final question here is something i'm just thinking of as you talk about this great life you have <laughs> and uh, living the dream what is the biggest overhanging challenge that you are facing at the moment living this life balance <laughs> okay. um so right now you know obviously we have to have a livelihood in order to keep doing what we're doing but we're also trying to be intentional with raising our family and meeting the needs of our children every day so trying to find a balance of being able to work and to also take care of our family and meet their needs every single day um so some days you know, we'll start our day and it feels like we, you know, we have something that we need to do work-wise and the children are a mess and we just have to kind of throw in the towel for the day knowing that like, hey, we may not be able to get this done work-wise um, and trying to find that balance of being like, okay, the children are going to have to adapt. We need to get this done. Like we can't continue to do what we're doing without having income. We can't continue to lead this life and we need to, you know, set aside certain aspects in order to make things work. Um, we need to be flexible. We need to try to teach our children to be flexible, but trying to find that balance and not burning ourselves out. Um, there's definitely been times, like I said, that, you know, we're working seven days a week for, you know, 17 hours a day and it gets hard and just trying to find that balance and to step away like we we're talking about at the beginning of the podcast here or conversation that you need to have the flexibility to step away and do something different, get out of your routine in order to break things up. Otherwise you can kind of drive yourself batty just doing the same thing repetitively week after week. This has been uh, I've loved this conversation because uh, as I said, I love the life you're leading and I'm veering more towards that way of living as myself as well over the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, I'm inspired. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight. 